Hey, Hopefuls. We're Jessa, Tash, and Rachel. We're three fun-loving life coaches. And together, we're Babes with Hope. Oh, we're recording. So, hey, Hopefuls. Welcome to another episode of Babes with Hope. This week, we're going to dive into a new topic. Uh, We're discussing change and adapting to change how to know if you're ready for change or what to do once you are ready for change. We're going to talk all things adapting to that change. So, hey, babes, how are you doing today? Hey. Hello. Awesome. Yay. Feeling good. So what does it mean to adapt to change for you guys? Like really quick, like uh, an overview preview of uh, what you want to talk about today. Yeah, Absolutely. So the definition of adaptability, I think for me means that you're okay, or maybe not okay. I should have thought about this first. <laughs> I was like, it's okay if you're not okay, yet being adaptable to change in your life in a way that, let me explain my definition of okay here. You can feel emotions about it. You can feel uncomfortable. You can feel discomfort. And yet you have the ability to embrace that discomfort in order to adapt to the change. That for me is what I mean by okay. Okay. <laughs> Just <somebody laughs> little rascals. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think mine's similar. Um I think adapt, being able to adapt to change, I mean, it probably looks different for everyone, right? Just like yeah. you, I mean, you gave a awesome, like bare bones definition there of okay. And like my okay is totally different from everybody else's okay of like what they're, what they're able to get through change with, because when you're, when you're going through change, you I think very quickly realize what your priorities are to just get by, especially if that change is really difficult for you. And so that's, I think, I think the adaptability is learning what you need to just get by, if that makes sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Like getting by, knowing that you're okay. And like for me, being able to adapt just means being able to embrace things as they come, going with the flow and knowing that, like Rach said, it's okay. Like, and if you need to change your mind, if you need to adjust course, it's okay. And being able to adapt to that is a superpower strength. And we're going to dive into it and give you some really solid ways that you can also increase more adaptability into your own life. So you can grow and change and adapt to whatever life throws at you so yeah yeah. where do we want to start um I can start because I I'm thinking of change in it the big picture sense of the word so I looked it up because I was like somebody said that change is the only constant and I looked it up because I was like I know that I've heard that in philosophy who did I hear that from So there's actually two philosophers that are quoted as saying that um, change is the only constant in life. And the first was Heraclitus, who said basically that if you compare life to a river, 
even if you step back into the river at the exact same spot, the water will be different. So in that way, you could not step twice into the same river. And Plato uh, actually quoted him on that. So Plato agreed with him and actually taught the Heraclitus teachings that change is the only constant. And I think it's important to understand that change is the only constant thing in your life because unfortunately, I think when people do not understand that concept and they're not willing to embrace change, what happens is they they can become very unhappy to the point of depressed. If they have this idea of what life was like or should be like, kind of the golden years, the way that it was, and they cannot accept the changes in their life, uh, they're setting themselves up for unhappiness, in my opinion. And since our show is all about happiness and hope and joy, in order to embrace that happiness and hope and joy, we are going to have to embrace change when it comes our way. And I'm thinking specifically for me, you know, I, I spent some time in a previous episode talking about massive life changes in my life currently, but I remember distinctly this time in my life when I was about, I don't know, it was early, like maybe 12 or 13 years old. I went through a really hard time because I, my life up until that point pretty much looked in with the same every day. I had a very structured childhood. Fortunately, I know not everyone does. I did until I hit about 12. And at that time, um, my extended family started to have a lot of issues. Um, My grandpa got really, really sick. My grandmother got Alzheimer's. My aunt became mentally ill. Two of my aunts actually became mentally ill. And previously, my family had gone over to my grandparents' house every single weekend. We have a lot of really good childhood memories of laughing and playing with my family on Saturday nights and Sunday nights where Saturdays we would sit around and play poker and then Sundays we would play Scrabble as a huge extended family. I'm talking aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. And that all came to a screeching halt when my family went through some tragedy And I remember not knowing how to deal with that. It was like, this was what I do on Saturdays. This is what I do on Sundays. And now it's just not there anymore. And I spent a lot of time in those younger years grieving that. And it took me a long time to come to a place of acceptance of, well, I can still have fun on Saturday and Sunday just in a different way. But that took a long time. That took me years to grapple with. Um, And I think now as an adult, I've come to understand that change is a part of life. But back then, I really did not understand that concept. And because I didn't, and because, you know, my, the adults were also going through a lot, you know, I don't even think they thought to sit down and talk to the kids about, yeah, your grandpa's sick and your mom and your grandma has Alzheimer's and your two aunts are in mental institutions. And let's talk about that. I mean, they were just overwhelmed trying to figure out how to take care of everybody. So I get it. I was just left kind of having to figure life out on my own at a really young age. And um, 
not to say I didn't have my parents. I don't mean that. I did. I just didn't know how to navigate change. Mm-hmm. And I Is think I. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Was there a point in that experience where you had that light bulb moment? Like it, you said, it took you a while to kind of come to this realization that change is the only constant. Was there a point in that experience that shifted your perspective that helped you adapt? You know, yes. Years later, we're talking, I was in high school by the time I figured it out. And when I was in high school, I was really um, struggling with kind of depression because things didn't get better from 12 to 16, they got worse. And I've talked about that on a previous podcast before where one of my aunts actually ended up dying. I had a cousin that ran away from home and started using drugs um, who actually ended up on our county's most wanted list for crime. And I didn't know how to navigate any of that. When I got to high school, I there was a neighbor down the street. He still lives in the same house. I started going to his house every week for Young Life, which is kind of like a Christian um, small group for young people. And he started to talk to me about, I think he knew I was depressed. So he started to talk to me about the stages of grief because um, my aunt had just died. And he started talking to me about things that I had been experiencing, but nobody had ever put a structure to it or put words to it. And he said, he, he laid out these five stages of grief for me. And that, I still remember that conversation. And we're talking, that was 17, 18 years ago. And he said, the first stage of grief is often denial. You are not willing to accept the change and you want things to go back to the way they were. And then you might find yourself angry, angry at people who might be at fault, angry at yourself. You might be blaming yourself, angry at God, angry at these circumstances, He said, and then you might go through a a stage of bargaining, bargaining with other people, bargaining with God, trying to get it worked out, trying to get back to where you were before. You're just trying to claw your way back to how life was before when you're bargaining. He said, and after you realize that doesn't work, you'll go through a phase of depression or deep, deep sadness. But once, and that's where I was, he said, but once you get through that depression and deep, deep sadness, You'll find your way to acceptance. Now, when he said all this to me, I didn't understand what he meant by acceptance because I was still thinking there's no way I'll ever accept any of this. I Lies. I do not accept any of this. So that even coming to terms with what is acceptance took me another couple of years. And it's this place where you're like, oh, this is my new now. This is my new normal now, and I'm okay. And I've learned to realize like that to me is what acceptance means. It's when you're like, I no longer have the deep emotional wounds or scars. It's just, this is my life now. And so that took about, gosh, four or five years. Yeah, so change and adapting to it is not, a quick process like it doesn't have to be overnight you wake up and you've all of a sudden adapted to change like as Rachel just shared this can be a year's years years worth of work and kind of adapting to life as it happens Mm -hmm. absolutely 
As you were talking about that and going through like the different stages of grief, I was like immediately going through the only person that I was ever really close to that has passed away was my daddy D, um, who's my grandpa. And he and my grandma like pretty much were my brother and my second parents and all the things. I wasn't even going to talk about this on the podcast, but you said this and I'm like, oh, this is so crazy because I spent, so he passed away actually like three years ago, a couple days ago. Um, and I spent probably a year, like, I feel like the stages of grief for me kind of transmuted together. Is that Mm -hmm. the word? They like all combined together. So I, the biggest one was anger. I was so angry all the time. And like, it wasn't an anger that was like a constant every single day anger, but I, it was like sitting there just waiting to be like tempted. Right. So it was kind of an unfortunate situation. I was actually living with my grandparents when my daddy D got sick, very suddenly passed away 22 days later. It was like all very quick. Um, and then, you know, after all the dust settles and everybody goes home It was just myself and my grandma in that massive house. She had just lost her soulmate of almost 50 years. And I'm the only one in the house there to, not only am I dealing with my own guilt or not guilt, (laughs) grief. um, And, but I'm also having to like carry hers too, because this is just like massive for her. Of course it's massive for me too. But anyway, point is, is that the anger was the thing that I was just like, I didn't want to hear his name. I didn't want to hear memories about him. I didn't want to see her cry about him. Like I was just angry. I did not want anything. And I was also in denial and I was also in deep, deep sadness. So I feel like the stages kind of like got, um, like I said, combined a little bit, but that, I mean that, yeah, lasted for me for, a good year where I was just like, am I ever going to not be irritable and angry? And like, I mean, I was a bitch. I was a massive bitch, my grandma (laughs) and everybody else in my family. Cause I just didn't want to, I didn't want to think about him. You know, Mm -hmm. I was in too much pain. Um, anyway, so that's my little side tangent that it's, it's really crazy too, specifically with grief. I mean, change in general is very, um, specific to the individual. Um, and grief is just the worst, (laughs) the worst kind of change. Yeah. Grief is like its whole other monster of change and navigating that grief is completely different than just adapting to change in normal life and bringing back to what Rachel started the episode with and knowing that change is the only constant I find it actually kind of freeing and liberating to know that because if you know that and accept it then literally there's unlimited possibilities for your potential Mm. Because if you can accept that 
the only thing that is constant is change and everything's going to keep changing. So when an opportunity is presented to you and it feels right, take it because it, things might change and life might change and you never know what one tiny stone throw in the water could ripple out into. Yeah. I think that also goes back to the, what Rachel was saying about, you know, nobody really preparing her for change. And I was also thinking while you were talking that like, this could be the macro scale of like, yeah, losing somebody in your life or on the micro scale of like, you are changed, like you're up leveling or you're Mm -hmm. like moving into a new area of your life, which means that your day-to-day has to change. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking about that and nobody kind of like preparing you for that, I was like, whoo, yeah, I absolutely feel the fact like, um, there was one thing that you were saying, Uh, you were talking about your Saturday afternoons and you were like, we always go there. I was just thinking about, you know, in, in times where I've had to like up-level my life and like change my habits and change the things that are around me. And I have had those moments so often where I get to, you know, a Saturday afternoon where I normally don't have anything left to do. And that's the time where I can sit down and just like binge watch TV for the rest of the day. Well, that habit is not necessarily helpful in this next stage of my life, which means I have to change that habit, which means I'm sitting there being forced to embrace like, cool, if this is what you want, you have to get comfy with your normal daily habits changing. Um, I don't remember why I went off on that little tangent. I feel like this episode is just going to be full of just the tangents, which I don't know if I'm like totally cool with or. (laughs) I love tangents. I think we all love tangents. I feel like that should rename ourselves to the tangent queens. Like, is that what we do? Tangents should just have been the name of the podcast. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um. No, I absolutely 100% agree with everything that you just said. It's the, this isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be grief. It's any change in your life where you're like, well, now what do I do? I can't go back and do what I used to do. This is a totally new thing for me to navigate. This is a totally new routine for me to navigate. I mean, hello, COVID. I don't think we can talk about change without bringing up COVID, um, working from home, even though that was something that I always wanted, right. I was working towards it. I was like, that is my end game. I want to get more than you wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you like that first few months, I was like, what even is this? Like, what am I doing? (laughs) How do I like just hold myself accountable to this is when I start my work day. And this is when I finish my work day. I was like, those, those very two small things, when do I start? And when do I finish? Took me like eight months to figure out. Oh, I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) So whether you're looking to change like those big goals and you're kind of ready to up level your life into new 
adventures and new goals and you're creating those new habits, like change is going to be thrown at you no matter what. Or if you're in the stages of grief and you've already experienced that change and now you're looking for what does my future look like with now this big, huge change that just happened in my life, it can be those big things and it can also be oh fuck, the dog just shit on the floor and now that threw off my whole day and now what am I going to do? I have to clean it up. Or you're on your way to work and you get in a car accident, it changes your whole course of your day. It could be anything from a conversation that what you weren't expecting to have. And now what do you do when like those small little things that you weren't expecting? Yes, change happens when you're going for big goals and you have to form new habits, but those are planned for change. What do you do when unexpected change that isn't grief, that is just daily things that happen? How can you combat or not combat, but like, how do we adapt and move forward and stay focused on what it is we want? And I think it comes down to like, just being able to flow with it. It comes down to that word we started with adaptability. Mm. Yes. And what does that even mean to somebody who's like, Mm. you know, not so this is actually what my original tangent was. I remembered what I was originally saying Mm. is that to go back to Rachel's original point of like, nobody talked to her about what change is and nobody talks about it in general, in the world. Like if change is the only constant thing, why the hell are we not talking about it more often? Why is it such this massive hit to the stomach every single time something even minutely like whatever happens in your life? Um, And so I think, I think it's so it's such a disservice. It's kind of like this other thing that like, we all know that we're going to die one day and nobody ever talks about it. You know, like it's just one of those things that we know and nobody knows how to talk about it, knows how to deal with it, knows how to get through it. I mean, you don't really get through death, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, and yeah, so I think like that we know of, yes, (laughs) no, for sure. For sure. Um, I think the first thing that we can do is like start having the conversation about change more, which I think that is starting to happen mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really crazy that it's not talked about more. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one? No, the world is right ready here. for change. And we're kind of like at that precipice of things happening like we saw throughout 2020 that 2020 was a huge year for change like whether it's social movements global pandemic new kind of work life home balance whatever the change was it came and it came in full force and I think as a global collective we are on that precipice of change where we have to have a look and say okay what do we want moving forward what is that change that's happening how do we want to navigate it and what do we want to see how do we want to create our path in the future because that path is laid out by us and we can direct it how we want to direct it I would say my tip for people listening to this is stop resisting change and that's so much easier said than done but we all do it think about it how many of you listening 
stayed at a job way too long and it was just horrible and toxic and you hated it every day, but it was easier than making a change. Or you stayed in a relationship way too long and it was horrible and awful and toxic, but you stayed because the known as uncomfortable as it is, is sometimes more comfortable than the unknown. And what I want to say to people is wake up, wake up, wake up and realize that change is absolutely freaking better than the toxic poison that you're drinking right now. If you are, if there's like toxic poison in your life right now, or even just the bitter root of unhappiness, you get to embrace the change and say, I don't know what's on the other side, but it can't be worse than what I'm dealing with right now. And you get yourself to the other side and you quit that toxic job and you leave that toxic relationship or you go buy yourself a brand new apartment, like whatever it is, you move across country. Change can absolutely be the most rewarding thing. Amen to that. And if you implement some of our lessons from our episodes, such as um, cause and effect or vision strategy, uh, smart goals, you have the tools. We've given you these tools that you can use to make sure that the change that is happening in your life gets you to a place that will make you happy, that will bring you joy, that will fulfill you in a purposeful way. Yeah. Jessa, what's a time in your life specific? I know you talked about the passing of your grandpa. Was there another time in your life or more recently where you had to adapt to change? Yes. So the main one that comes to mind, just because it's kind of like fun, I guess, (laughs) to move away from the grief. (laughs) talk um was when I adopted my dog Molly um who is like the best thing now that has ever happened to me she's my best friend I love her so much Mm. um let me give you just a little bit of background with my (laughs) (laughs) with my um relationship to animals so When I was 19 or 20, uh, I was living in my first apartment and I, on the spur of the moment, as I do pretty much everything, decided to adopt a cat. This was before I found out that I was allergic to cats, by the way. Oh no. Yeah. But that had nothing to do with how this ended up, but I did find out that I was allergic. Um, I adopted this little kitten and I was just so ill-prepared and so irresponsible, um, it's, I can't even, I, I don't even need to go into the details. I ended up after a couple of months having to give her away to a coworker. And, um, from that like moment on, I not only felt like I was completely irresponsible and could never, you know, take care of an animal, but my friends were, who are no longer my friends, um, telling me that I was irresponsible and could never take care of a pet. So I got to this point, this was almost two years ago, um, 
not, I was like, I need a dog. I love dogs. I've wanted a dog for literally like over five or six years, my own dog. Um, and I feel like I'm really at this point where I can take care of it and I don't care. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to get a dog. Um, so I randomly went to this shelter that was like 45 minutes away from me. There was no reason why I should have picked that shelter, uh, (laughs) except for, I had known that there was a litter of, um, uh, pit bull puppies, which is what I wanted was a pit bull. And what Molly is a pit bull. I had no um, idea. She's like, so just cute and adorable. I actually don't know full on what she is because she wasn't one of those puppies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But she kind of even looks like she could be. She, I think she is. I think she, I honestly think she's part Pitbull boxer and Great Dane is what I've like landed on. Um, But when I went to the shelter that day, all of the puppies were gone. Like they had, they were gone within a matter of like a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And the guy was like, well, I have this other four month old dog that we just got in, um, you know, off the street. And why don't you come in and see if she feels like a fit for you? And I walked over to the pen and she literally, maybe we can put up on our Instagram, like a picture of her and my parents' dog, Abby, together, because they are, they look like the exact same dog. And the instant that I saw her, I was like, this is my dog. Like, this is my dog. Um, And so I had to wait until the next day but I came back and I adopted her. So pretty much I went from, you know, just only ever taking care of myself for my whole life to now having to take care of a four month old puppy that I was nowhere near ready or trained for. Um, I mean, I, you know, went out and got all the things that she needed and all and everything, but but I mean, there's gonna, something different about having a puppy from like when it's a puppy and having a puppy who spent the first four months of its life on the street. Well, and so I don't know if she spent it on the street. She was honestly such a well-behaved and smart dog from the moment that I picked her up that it makes me think that she actually was somebody's dog. But... She wasn't microchipped. She had been at this shelter, which was only like a mile away from where she got picked up for like two weeks. So like nobody was looking for her. I had to go through a lot of like releasing that guilt of like potentially owning somebody else's dog for like the first couple of months of having her. Um, But I'm going to say something potentially controversial. Here it it is. I feel like having a puppy is the same as having a newborn except you don't get nine months to prepare controversial (laughs) i understand i get it i get it who are not mothers so (laughs) yes yes and i mean when i got james oh my god that dog would not sleep through the night he was Mm. whining all night It got to the point where I was like, do I need to take some sick days from work? Like I'm getting no sleep at all. So I feel you on that one. And then my dog's like Ace was like this perfect little angel dog who was like so easy. 
so well temperamented that we're like fuck dogs are so easy <laughs> and then we got a moj <laughs> moj comes with his own his own package of <laughs> accepting the change <laughs> like yeah oh, man, there's some stories about how difficult moj was at the beginning and we had many conversations about did we get ourselves in too far? Like, do we put him up for adoption? Do we like try to sell him? Like what, like we, mm. he is too much. And we're like, no, we made this commitment to him. We brought him home into our home. So we have to see this through. And like, now he's like part of the family and he's my little moochie emoji. And <laughs> he yeah, very much like, a lot more to deal with than aces like he has a very bad separation anxiety and he can't really be left alone very long the great training was a friggin deal and a half <laughs> but like oh i love him <laughs> well so i had plenty of those moments as well the one that i remember the clearest where i was just like oh my God, I cannot handle this was within the first week that I had her, she would not stop trying to bite me. And she, from the day that I picked her up has never, ever, ever been an aggressive dog. She's like the most playful, loving, like just wants to play all day long. And that's what she was doing when she was trying to bite me. Um, and I don't have a fear of dogs, but it was becoming so crazy that I was like, what kind of dog did I get that she's like trying to bite me all day. <laughs> and like, I couldn't get her to stop. I couldn't distract her with a toy or anything. So it got to the point where I had to like close the door on her, like literally separate us by a door. And I like fell to the floor. I got on the phone with my sister. Well, she was just my brother's fiance at the time, but my now sister-in-law who has two dogs and just was my, like, she's always been like my biggest cheerleader, but especially with the dogs. Cause when I first got Molly within that first week, I didn't tell my family because you know, I didn't, I didn't need their judgment, but I told my, my brother's fiance, Kayla, cause she's awesome. So I called her crying, like crumpled on the floor. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this ever going to get better? And she literally was like, girl, been there literally there where you're at right now and it gets better you just have to keep going and now it's so funny because I ran into at the vet a couple of months ago another dog mom who was like in the beginning stages and she was like looked overwhelmed and I looked and I was like girl I know this doesn't help at all, but I was you a year and a half ago and just keep pushing through because it get, it does get better. And it felt so good to be able to like pass on that wisdom after the fact. Mm. Um, but the whole point of this story is that it took Molly and I, so not only within about a month after I had gotten her, maybe three weeks was we, I decided to move to our own place, like our own apartment. And so I totally 
like threw off her schedule. We no longer had pot, like a grass potty spot right outside the front door. We have to like go down three flights in an elevator um, as she's like still being potty trained. And it was just like a massive wrench in the training and all the things. Um, and in probably the first month of moving to our new place, I started to feel like we were getting each other's grooves. Like, don't get me wrong. I loved her the instant that I saw her, you know, like I, Mm -hmm. she's, I like still every single day. I'm like, how the fuck did I get so lucky to have such an adorable dog? Like, I just, I love her. And she was a goddamn nightmare. (laughs) like just the worst and I mean I don't know it's all relative right because like my worst could not be the same as your worst but like I as doing this by myself it was just me and her trying to figure each other out I was I had moved into my own place for the first time and trying to figure that out it was just a massive like season moment of change for me and for her and I just remember sitting in my apartment very distinctly. And this happened all the time where I was just like, is this my life now? Mm. Like, is this like her being a crazy dog, like doing the puppy thing? Like, is this forever? Cause at that point when you're in it and you're not getting any sleep and she is waking up half the night and like stop, won't stop barking, won't stop biting it, biting at you. It doesn't matter if everybody's like, yeah, it's going to get better. You're like, cool. When, right. <laughs> when yes. does it get better? Because right, right now oh. it's, yeah, it's the worst. Um, yeah. So the worst yeah. actually is potty training in the condo. That was I feel you. That was not fun. (laughs) It was really, I, if there's anybody wanting to get a puppy, the one piece of advice that I can give you go out and buy yourself a little green machine, which is the carpet cleaner. They're like a hundred bucks literally will save you so much heartache and like upset and whatever, while you're potty training your dog. And then you won't have to do what I did when I moved out of my condo is spend thousand dollars on new carpet. Ugh. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. if I'm going to spend a thousand dollars, I'm going to go on a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not buy new carpet. That's why you need to buy yourself a little green machine. Priorities. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I think dogs and animals are a very good testament to like how patient you're willing to mm-hmm. be as that change is happening. So because we know it's going to happen. So how willing are you to follow through and stay persistent and consistent with your new environment, with your new surroundings and that change that has happened? Yeah. Well, and it's immediate too. Like you don't really have an option to decide otherwise, really. Like, I mean, I'm not saying everybody go out and get yourself a dog and you'll be adaptable to change immediately, but (laughs) it did like, it did make me more patient. I was not a patient person at all before Molly. And I only have just like a bit more patience now, but it's better than it was. Yeah. My dogs have definitely taught me patience, that's for sure. 
Yeah. You know, one thing we've kind of all said very indirectly, yeah, I want to make it kind of a direct tip for everyone is having that future vision in mind is really going to help you accept the change. Because like for Jessa, it was knowing that it's going to get better. Like at some point it's going to get better. And for me, it was the same thing. You will get to a place of acceptance and me being like, I don't know what you're talking about yet. At least having a light at the end of the tunnel and being like, there is something positive on the other side. When you need to leave your job, it's like, I'm going to leave this job and then I'm going to go look for a work environment that looks more like this, this, and this, or I'm going to look for a partnership that looks more like this, this, and this. And having an end picture in mind can really, really help support you in embracing change. Yeah. And if you need a little bit of help with that, Rachel did it for January and I'm going to offer it for February. If you want that vision strategy call with us, just head on over to our Instagram, Babes with Hope, or reach out to us and I will do a vision strategy call for you before February 28th. (laughs) Is there 28 days this month? So yeah, if you reach out to me in February, we'll get you a vision and strategy call to help you clarify and get into alignment with that vision so that you're ready for change when it happens so that you are able to adapt when that change happens. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. Boom. That's awesome. Boom, boom, boom. And so with that, I guess any final remarks on how our listeners can adapt to change and be ready for that when change inevitably comes for us? The only thing that I'll say, the biggest lesson that I've learned in change is my own resiliency. And Mm -hmm. I was never just like change. It was never talked about when I was a kid growing up. Um, And as an adult, I had no faith in my own resiliency. Yes, I've been through a shit ton in my life growing up, um, but I didn't, I didn't trust it. I didn't have faith in it. I didn't have confidence in it. And with every, every moment of change, every season of change that I've had to go through, it's, I've proved to myself more and more that I can literally get through anything, which makes the next thing that I have to go through just that much easier because I know that I can and above anything else I think that's kind of what we're all saying is that you can get through change Hmm. oh yeah like it's 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 something that you I don't know what I'm trying to say like it's you can get through it I guess is what I'm trying to say I think Here's what I will finish with and kind of flowing from what you were saying is the resilience is in you. And if you recognize how much change you've already had and already experienced, you have that moment to reflect on, oh, damn, I am fucking resilient. I can do this. And just knowing that no matter what comes your way, you're going to have a choice on how you react to that change and how you adapt to it. And if you're moving in alignment with your vision and you're, you're set your sights on what you want, then there's literally that nothing that can fucking stop you. And we are here for you to help you fucking go for it. 
sorry for all the fucks, but I'm just so fucking excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we went through a whole episode without a single F-bomb. Just kidding. We dropped five in the last minute. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I feel like we sneak them in there because I've gotten to the end of like, I edit the podcast and like, we get to the end and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that we cussed. And then I listened to it again. I'm like, oh no, Tash and I are both saying it every other like time we open our mouth and we don't notice. Oh Oh my God. It's so funny. I love it. I love you guys so much. You gotta put the E. You gotta put the E on this one now. Yeah. (laughs) The E. For explicit content. Oh. (laughs) I was so not- like as a permanent e. <laughs> yeah. yeah is there yeah. an option to make it permanent <laughs> i think there probably is I'll push that it. sucker yeah <laughs> all right all guys. right guys thank you so much for joining us this week talking about change i hope that this was helpful uh and at least to help you know that you're not alone if you're going through a season of change i mean we all are we all have been pretty much for almost a year now Mm -hmm. um but even before then you know we're all in this together so thanks so much for listening (laughs) 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 and we will see you guys next week Bye. bye bye thanks for listening to this week's episode of babes with hope if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with a friend And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of our coaching programs, you can reach us directly at babeswithhope.thinkific.com. That's babeswithhope.thinkific.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.